welcome everybody to the Mongols playoff preview show. I am Justin Ashcraft, joined by Steve Matias. Your Pittsburgh Riverhounds are headed to Louisville on Saturday night at 7.30 to take on Louis City in a first-round playoff game. But before we get to the game itself, Steve, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, been a quiet week for me. Um, looking forward to the playoffs. Not sure what to expect, but hey, we can talk all about that. Um, uh Happy to see some of the things that have uh, occurred uh, from the end of the regular season. So, I mean, the guys talked about it on the Monday show with uh, Ryan James getting the Steel Army Player of the Year. Um, Great to see. Um, And then the USL uh, recognizing the absolute top-notch quality of Danny Vidiello in goal uh, with his .500 goals against uh, getting that Golden Glove Award win. I just love it, right? Like he gave up four goals in eight matches with 78 save percentage, um, 14 saves out of 18 shots faced. Um, two of those saves are PKs, um, five clean sheets in eight games. Like it's just awesome. Um, I do want to note um, he was 0.004 ahead of Kempen, um, which is just fun to see that like it was that close of a margin. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think, yeah, I, I would agree with you. I think it's, um, you know, a thing that it's cool to see our guys get the honors that they get mm-hmm. and, and, you know, they deserve them. And I think the other thing for me about uh, the Riverhounds and just Lily system in general uh, is a lot of times it doesn't lend itself well to, like, individual awards. Um, other than that goalkeeper spot, you know, it, it, usually you see the Lily's keeper, whoever it, whoever it is, uh, in that kind of, you know top two, top three, um, kind of spot for, for the golden glove. But, um, yeah, it's cool to see our guys getting, getting honors. Yeah. I mean, this week has been good for me. I'm excited about the playoffs. I'm excited Mm -hmm. to kind of get into that. I think it's fun. You know, I think in general, um, you know, kind of, kind of looking overall in the U S you know, MLS has also stayed pretty healthy, you know, seven or eight games, for most everybody from wrapping up their season, um, you know, USL obviously wrapped up this week and, and playoffs are this week. And I think, you know, in March, April, uh, you know, and even in July when we kicked back off, I think all of us were like, you know, I don't know if this season finishes. I don't know when they finish. You know, do, do they have to extend? You know, all this kind of stuff. And other than a few kind of isolated cases and isolated mm-hmm. teams, you know, Las Vegas had a had a stretch there. Philly had a stretch. Um, you Loudon. know, other than those, th- what? Loudon ending the season well that way. Yeah, yeah, Loudon ending the season early. But other than that, I mean, it seemed like most teams were able to stay healthy. You know, the Hounds haven't had a positive case yet. Um, and, and I think that that just shows that they put the right precautions in place and, and have been doing well. And, um, you know, so I hope that um, things continue that way and we're able to finish the playoffs well and uh but it's fun to think that we made it to the end of the season and we're we're here we're at playoffs yeah um which means we can actually kind of look at this team and see who did what from a stats perspective i mean we've talked about it ourselves i think we've mentioned a couple times here on the recordings that it's just such a weird season to do the things we did last year with the preview show of trying to evaluate 
who was coming to town or where we were going and, and do a comparison, right? Because playing the same teams over and over and over again, uh, it's just like, you know what you're going to get. And stats are kind of meaningless at that point, right? Like if we were going to do things over, right? I don't think we would have changed how we viewed that game against Hartford. We would have expected the Hounds to go out, score a bunch of goals because that's what the stats said. Because we knew we were the team with the stats to beat in the group. Um, but that didn't happen. So, you know, we actually get to talk about something fun now, right? Um, so I, we've got a bunch of things that we can talk about, just give everybody kind of a, a roundup um, of what the leaders were on the team this year. Um, before we do that, though, um, I just want to weigh in on the Mensa-Dequa debate. Um, I, I was observing your and Mike's conversation, chimed in very minimally in Slack. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, hey, so the guys talked about it on Monday. Do you Did you get a chance to hear that whole part of the segment? I did, I did not get a chance to hear the whole segment, but I I got a, you know, wrap-up from Laura Ellen. I got a little bit of wrap-up from you before this, uh, before, the, before we started. So here's what I'm going to say. Um, I really, really wanted to say that Mensa was the better player. Um I really have liked everything I've seen from Mensa. Uh, I mean, I've liked what I've seen from Dequa as well. Um, but so I was like, you know what? I bet you if I go back through and look at Mensa's first, I think Dequa, what, 280 something minutes? Um, uh, Mensa, the breakdown is either 218 or 304 uh, in his first five games, four or five games, right? Um, not much of a difference stats wise um, because wherever you do that cutoff, he scored one goal um, and maybe the only goal that he scored that probably was really important on the season uh, was the goal that he scored against St. Louis, which was a 2-2 draw. Um, meanwhile, Dequa has netted the Hounds four points total. Uh, he got the winners in both Loudon and uh, the last Philly game. Um, two of his three goals were game-winning goals at the end of games. So, you know, I've got to, I got to, I gotta say, uh, I like them both, though. I hope we keep them both, regardless, right? So who cares who's better, right? Like they're yeah. both good. They're both fun to watch. They bring different things. If we don't re-sign both of them, I'm going to be disappointed. I yeah, uh, I I can put the conversation in context a little bit. Obviously, I was not on a Monday night to defend my side of the conversation that I had with Mike. <laughs> I think, I honestly think. I think both of them are good players. I have nothing against Mensa. I just, I don't, there's nothing. I think Mensa's a great player. Obviously, he's, you know, scored six goals this season. Um, you know, there's nothing in me that's like, oh, I want to take away from what he's done overall. Um, that sort of thing. I, Mike just made kind of a solitary comment on on last week's game of, of when we took Mensa out. He thought Dequo was a step down in, in quality. And I was just thinking, like, I don't, I don't think he is. I think Dequa, I mean, I think Dequa's season obviously has been interesting with coming in halfway through the season, kind of being stuck in Cameroon for a while with the with the stuff and all the all of that. And I think he came in and and I mean, even at his first game, we put him in for forty five minutes. He scored twice, I think, or scored once, mm-hmm. um, and almost scored two or three other times. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think like he he made a difference. Now I don't think he's been able. After that game, I thought, okay, he's going to be the difference maker. We should just start him every game, see what happens, all this kind of stuff. 
I don't think he's made as big of a difference. You know, I don't think he's made as much of an impact on every game as he made in that game. Um, so I'm not going to put that on it. You know, I'm not going to say he's like the best player ever and, you know, like whatever. I, I just think, I think he's a, I think he's a tiny bit more dynamic. I also think he's a tiny bit more clinical with his finishing. I think Mensa has had just a ton of shots and I think we've all rued kind of his missed opportunities, but I think Mensa's had a ton of shots and, and not put as many on target and not put, you know, I, I think, you know, he struggled to put balls in the back of the net at times this season. I don't think that's cost us any games. I don't think it's something like, man, if we had Dequa from game one, we would have gone, you know, we would have scored, you know, we would have won two more games or, or something like that. I don't, it's not something that I'm looking at like, oh, we would have gone 13-2-1 if we had had Dequa all season. But I just think I just think Dequa is slightly a better player. But mm-hmm. I think Mensa also, you know, and you and I just talked about this before the podcast, I think Dequa was in a situation in St. Louis where he was the guy. And he had to score and all this kind of stuff. So historically, he's been a little bit better. But Mensa is also in a situation where in Nashville, he's sitting behind Cameron Lancaster, um, Daniel Rios, several other guys there who could score, you know, Lebo was there at the time, you know, all this kind of stuff. I think there were, there were guys who could score in that team. So he didn't get as many chances. So this is the first time he's really had a season where he was the guy. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, I think we, I hope we keep them both. Um, You know, I I hope we keep our three strikers. I think given another season and and an actual off season of the three of them working together, you know, I think they could, they could do damage, especially in a full season. Um, so none of that, none of that was an indication on who I want to keep or not keep or any of that kind of stuff. I, I hope we keep all three of them going into next season. But uh, it was an interesting conversation that we were having uh, on Slack, and then and then the guys had on Monday. So uh, thanks to Josh and Kev for defending my opinion on that for me. <laughs> all right. Well, hey, yeah. let's 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 talk a little bit about this team. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think. You have a lot of stats listed here, but I think the, I mean, the biggest one for me, one of the biggest ones for me that you have up there is Tommy V, uh, 1440 minutes, which, which is all of them. All of them. That's great. Like, I mean, sure. Short season, but like to see a player just be on the field for the entire season, not get substituted off. Um, uh, right. Like, I mean, that's great. What, does that say about the trust that Bob has in Tommy after three seasons now? Um, I mean, I think in three seasons, he's also he's missed one game. Yeah. I mean, he's always been at the top of the minutes played or close to it. Um, I so, think he's missed one game. Cause he got that red card against North Carolina in that game right. that we lost five, nothing. Yep. So he would have missed the next game of, of that. Mm-hmm. But I think other than that, he's appeared in every game, maybe other than one that we've yep. had other than that one that he missed for the red card. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not, so, not even given a long season, he's played right. you know, almost every minute. Right. Yeah. So let's look at a couple other things. I mean, not far behind him in terms of minutes played is Mertz, uh, who also started all 16 games. Um, and then James Griffin, Mensa and Thomas appeared in all 16 games, even if they didn't get the start. So that's kind of cool to see. I mean, those are the guys that uh, were definitively, a part of the season all the time. Um, uh, substitutes, we got three guys that made nine substitute appearances. Um, the one that I really did not expect uh, to see this high up uh, is Mark Forrest. Um, he played a lot more this season, which is good to see. Uh, 
Fernandez in his first year getting a lot of opportunities to get on the field. And then uh, we know the commodity that is Anthony Velarde and what he can bring to the team. Um, so those guys came in nine times um, uh, in substitute appearances. So it's kind of cool. They played more games than that, some of them as well. So, but that's just in terms of the guys that Bob is turning to when he wants to see something change. Those are the three that he relied on the most to come off the bench. Yeah. I mean, I think in, in those stats, one of the biggest things that stands out to me is Danny Griffin, Skylar Thomas. I mean, Skylar Thomas obviously has had some experience, you know, this first year with the Hounds had played in, in league one and had been drafted by Toronto. So quality player, but you know, this is the first year with the Hounds, but Danny Griffin, I mean, my goodness, you, you know, look, look at Robbie Mertz last year, look at Danny Griffin this year. I mean, mm-hmm. I think for someone his age to, you know, and, and you can look at it and say, well, Forbes has been on the field for all 16 games. Maybe he wouldn't have appeared in, in all the games, but still, I mean, anytime you see a guy come into the first year in the league um, and appear in every game, I think, and be as effective as Danny mm-hmm. Griffin was. Um, I mean, that's good to see. It's, it's a good start and a good, um, good start to his career. Yeah. 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 Couple other things on the attacking end, um, and I and I will say I am saying these stats, but Steve put them together. I I was a little busy this week, um, so Steve did the research this week. So thanks for that. Um, assist leader uh, Kenny Forbes, obviously seven of those were in the first what three games of the season, and then he added an eighth, but uh, eight eight assists on the season. Uh, assist leader, um, you know it's it's good to see. I think um, you know. I, I don't have the stats in front of you, but I think Velarde had quite a few as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those are guys you kind of expect to be the assists assist, uh, on this season. Uh, you look at goals, um, five players with more than five goals. I think that was probably more than last year. I think we only had three players more than five goals last year. But, um, in half the time. <laughs> in half the time, we had five players who scored five or more goals. So Rapapa Mensa is the uh, goal leader for the season with six. And then you're looking at Anthony Velarde, Robbie Mertz, uh, Ryan James, and Steven Dos Santos with five. Um, I, I want to note that uh, Ryan James scored five goals this season. He had scored one USL goal previous to this season. I mean, for sure. He had had the two games against Hartford, obviously. But, um, but for sure, I think he... Yeah, he, figured, he had a few games where he just figured something out and was able to get in the box, but it's good when you're, when your defenders are scoring at that clip. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it's not just, uh, your center back on headed corners. Um, then you, you like, you like when your uh, your wing backs are getting up the field, yep. especially in our system that we play, you know, when we're playing a five back mm-hmm. and you know, you expect you know, Ryan James, Jordan Dover, Danny Rivera to get up the field. Um, you like when they can also get in the box and put balls in the back of the net. Then they're then they're really playing that wing back role, yep. and they're not just a outside back, you know. Um, so you'll love to see it. Love to see it. Uh, interesting, just an interesting stat with those attacking figures. The minute per goal leader this year was Albert Dequa with a goal every eighty one point seven minutes. So um, a goal a game. Yeah, good to see. Um, good to see. For yeah, sure. let's uh, look a little bit more defensive side. Uh, Skylar Thomas and Tommy Van Fazil, uh, the two rocks back there. Um, uh, Thomas coming in with 53 clearances. Um, and 
Tommy coming in with the blocks. Um, we didn't write it down. Uh, if I recall correctly, I believe he had 10 blocks on the season. Um, so blocks are shots taken uh, that don't reach the keeper because somebody gets in the way. So uh, that's 10 more shots that Gomez or Fidiello could have faced, but Tommy kept from getting there, which is great to see, right? I mean, in, in a 16-game season, uh, that's, that's, that's a pretty good thing to see, um, especially when you look at the total number of shots faced, which I looked at it yesterday, I don't remember it, but I mean, it was low. We're talking about uh, 18 shots faced for Vidiello, and I, I think, if I remember correctly, Gomez was at like 22 or 24. I don't remember the exact count. Um, but so, yeah, I mean, he's, he's what, almost a quarter of the shots uh, he was blocking. Yeah, I mean, so blocks it's, it's are... less than that when you count in other players' blocks, but yeah. Sure. I mean, blocks are, like, a good thing to see from a defender when they can get... Because then they're they're reading and anticipating mm-hmm. strikers really well. You know, mm-hmm. and I think that that's the thing. Strikers are really good at this point. Um, I mean, strikers are just good about getting the ball around mm-hmm. players and at least getting it to the keeper or... You know, they, they usually get it around the defender. Whether they put that ball on target, that's a different story, but they usually can get it around the defender. Um, and so if a defender is getting in the way 10, 10 to 12 times in a 16-game season, you know, that's a shot of game that they're stopping. And a lot of those are probably on target. You know, a lot of blocks are probably on target because that means the defender's right there and, and getting in the way. So I think it's, yeah, I mean, I think it's a good stat. It's a, it's a weird stat to kind of say, what does this actually mean? But... Um, I think it's like, yeah, it's good to see, you know, um, that clearance stat for, um, and I'm going off of memory here, so I might be wrong about this, but the clearance stat is a, is a good one to see. I think last year, um, and year before, um, when you look at guys like Hugh Roberts, Joe Greenspan, um, Toby Adewale, you know, they were a little over a hundred every season. Um, and so I think when you look at 53 in a season, a shortened season like this, um, and in a guy who appeared in all games, didn't necessarily start all games, I think, you know, it's good to see mm-hmm. him coming to the league and being effective. You know, I think it kind of proves that people can make the jump from League One to, to the championship. Um, and you like to see when players can do that. So I'm, I'm glad that he did that. Uh, last kind of stat that we'll put out there, and I, this is not going to be a surprise to anybody, Um Bob's teams are very disciplined, um, and so the leading card count of the season was Steven Dos Santos with four yellow cards and Skylar Thomas with four yellow cards. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody had a red card all season long. Um, that's a cool thing to see. Um, and, and even when you look at guys who played a lot of minutes, Kenny Forbes played a lot of minutes. Uh, Ryan James played a ton of minutes. Um, neither of them had a card all season. Vidiello, no cards uh, as a goalie. And then a couple of players who played a little bit less, Danny Rivera, uh, Fernandez, uh, Patrick Bung Anderson, Mark Forrest, all no no cards at all. So obviously, I mean, we've talked about that many, many, many times that um, they, you know, Lily puts out a very disciplined team um, and did again this year. Yep. Well, hey, that's a good wrap up, I think, of what we saw stats wise from the players. But we've actually, like we said, Got a playoff game in Louisville at Lynn Family Stadium uh, on Saturday, seven thirty. So, Before we jump into that, let me let me just oh, wrap up with this one last stat that you put here because I think it's I think it's important to note. The Hounds ended the season eleven four and one. 
with a 6-2 and a road record, which is important for this weekend. Mm-hmm. But I think just kind of extrapolating from that, obviously things are different when you have a 30-something game season. You play the games differently, all this kind of stuff. Um, but if you kind of double that out to what a full season, around what a full season would be, you're looking at 22-8-1. Obviously, I don't think you're going to, or 8-2, and two, I don't think you're going to go a whole season with two ties, um, given a whole season. Um, but if you even kind of average some things out there and, and take some of those draws into loss, you know, some of the wins into draws and some of the losses into draws, um, you're still looking at mid sixties for a season, you know, for the whole season. And I think any time, you know, a USL team can get to the mid sixties, they're going to be right in the hunt for, mm-hmm. for, uh, you know, the Sporter shield and all that kind of stuff. So, and obviously we were in the half season too, but I just think that's good. You know, that's a good yeah. sign. Um, the, the Bob's still effective in this league. It hasn't passed him by, but, um, yeah. 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 So let's talk about, let's talk about Louisville. Like you said, let's transition there. They finished 11, three and two, seven, three and one at home. I think everybody probably remembers their one loss at home. Um, so that's, that's a thing. Um, but they've only been on the road for five games this season, which is interesting. Yeah, so um, so here's the thing about that, right? Um, uh, it's actually three losses at home though, because oh, yeah. like things are weird, different oh, different yeah. places, different leagues. Yeah. Um, do the standings differently? I just copy what's on the USL site. Whoops. Um, that's okay. Um, uh, what what I find interesting is uh, sure they've had some losses, um, uh, but they've only been on the road five times out of their 16 games. Um, and one of those included a trip to North Carolina FC uh, before the season delayed in March. Um, so not part of the COVID group setup that they uh, talked about. Talk about an advantage, a brand new stadium. Uh, they had fans in the stadium for most of the season um, and they played that many games at home. Like, Come on, USL, what the heck are you doing? Talk like I mean, playing favorites over there. Um here's the bad news. Their past six games have been wins. Um they've also only conceded twelve goals. Three of those I think goals. That means they're due for, I think that means they're due for a loss, though. <laughs> I think well, that's what that means. Maybe. I hope you're right. Um I'm just going by what has happened so far. Sure. Um, sure. So they've conceded twelve goals, three of those, uh, or a quarter of their goals um, were in that uh, 3-1 loss uh, when they opened the stadium uh, to the Hounds. Um, uh, they've given up three goals away from home, so one-third of their goals have been against the Hounds. I think that's good for us, right? Like, hey, we know we can score against this team. Um, uh, we also know that they're third best in that category, goals given up. Um, uh, so they've got the third lowest number. Uh between them and the Hounds at 10 is Tampa Bay. Um, so uh, we've lent up two less goals. Uh, yeah. It's going to be, yeah. it's going to be an interesting game. I mean, I think this is the, this is the thing, right? You're looking at two teams and we'll, we can go through some other stats of score goal scores and all this kind of stuff. But I think you're looking at two teams. You look at Bob Lilly, experienced coach, uh, knows what he's doing in this league, all this kind of stuff. You look at John Hackworth, Obviously, an MLS national, some national team, you know, experience all this kind of stuff. Obviously, another experienced coach. 
you look at the players on these teams, uh, you know, the Hounds outside of, you know, you look at Robbie Mertz, Danny Griffin, Scott Thomas, who are, who are contributing, who are young players. But outside of that, you're looking at guys like Kenny Forbes, Duba, Mensa, Dequap, Ryan James, Jordan Dover. I mean, Vidiello has been in the league. He hasn't played, but has been in the league. Gomez has been in the league. You're obviously just looking at players who have been around, uh, experienced players, experienced coach. These are just two good teams, you know, and it, yeah. it, it, we say it every time we play Blue City. I think uh, the thing that I said after after Hartford, you know, beat New York on on Sunday night was, I mean, the reality is, if if you want to be the best, you got to be able to beat the best. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what the Hounds have kind of yet to prove this season for us that they um, they can't seem to beat the better teams, other than that first game of the season. So. Um, I think we, I, yeah, I mean, I think the Hounds have a challenge this, this week. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it's going to, it's going to be interesting for sure. So when you look at shots kind of on the offensive side, obviously both teams are very good defensively. Um, and you look across the back lines of both teams and, and you have a lot of experience on, on those back lines, kind of looking at the other end though, um, Shots. Louisville took 178 shots. They take shots from everywhere. They have a lot of players who take shots. When you look at Cameron Lancaster, Speedy Williams, um, all this kind of stuff, you're looking at players who take shots all the time. Um, they scored 28 goals on the over the course of the season uh, for a f- conversion rate of 15.7 percent, and they scored every 51 minutes or so. Hounds actually took less shots. We know that. Um, they still had a 28.1% conversion rate for 39 goals or one every 36 minutes. Um, that conversion rate though, it didn't finish over 30, which would have been fun. Um, still sits five points ahead of Birmingham and Hartford. So I, I obviously we're still converting to, at a good rate. So yeah, I mean, Louisville has a little bit of a different strategy. They have, they have a lot of defense, defensive experience, but they also have a lot of offensive experience. So they're going to shoot a lot. And they're going to shoot often. So I think Vidiello if he plays this game, it's going to be busy, busier than normal. Um, but obviously, he's had a good season so far, so you'd hope that continues uh, going forward. Yeah. Um, one other thing I'll say about who they're going to have on the field, um, uh, they got Sean Tosh with six yellow cards in 14 games. So uh, that may be a strategy. Get at him. Get at him early. Get him a little upset. Um, make him make some rash plays. Uh, get an early yellow. That can help the Hounds. Um the one other uh, thing that I think comes into this equation, you know, like history is meaningless on a day-to-day game. Uh, but under Bob Lilly, uh, the Hounds have not lost in Louisville. Yep. <laughs> interesting, interesting thing. We've um, lost to Louisville, but not in Louisville. Yep, yep, interesting thing. Hopefully so, that streak continues. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um Looking at the goal scorers there, Cameron Lancaster, 10 goals. Corbin Bone, who has been an addition uh, for them from Cincy, I believe, mm-hmm. um, has five goals on the season. And then Speedy Williams, obviously always dangerous in the midfield, uh, has four. Um, so, And he's played in every game for them, Speedy Williams. Yeah, played in every game as well. Um, Cameron Lancaster had to work his way back from injury, but got hot. And then Corbin Bone was sort of a midseason acquisition, mm-hmm. I believe. Um, so yeah, it's, it's all interesting to me and, um, I think it's going to, I think it's going to make for a really interesting game. Um, I, I think for, for me, um, I'm hoping that enough of the players that were here last year, 
uh, come out pissed off, you know, and I, yeah. I think that's the reality that, like, I hope they didn't use all of that emotion in the first game of the season and, like, forget what that playoff loss was like. Um, but I'm hoping that they're able to come out um, kind of in this game and, um, you know, take it to Louisville a little bit and um, just maybe come out with a win in Louisville to kind of get back for last mm-hmm. season. I think a lot of our fans would appreciate that. But that is the interesting thing about USL is is the rosters kind of rotate every year and, and you know, players don't have – Teams and fans might have the long-standing rivalries, but players don't always have that. But I think there's enough players here from last year um, that will make a big deal about that. And there's enough players that stayed in Louisville uh, yeah. that I think they're going to remember it very well, too. Um, and so, yeah, it, I got no idea what's going to happen. It's going to, I hope, be a really good game. Um my expectation is it's probably going to be a really tight contest. Um, I mean, I'm not going to pick Louisville to win, but if there's a team that we're going to face that's got a good chance against us in uh, the first round, Louisville's got a great shot at this game, but we do too. Um, I, I see this being a, a one-goal win. Um, uh, I could see it being... Uh, 1-0 again. I mean, we've made that uh, a semi-tradition uh, in Louisville. Um, I could also see this being a 3-2 or a 3-4 game, right? Like, like if this thing gets opened up, like, it can, it can start going. Uh, it's just, yeah, both of these teams are good. I think, I think who, the people that are going to win are going to be the neutrals watching this game. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're gonna for they're sure. gonna win really well because they're gonna get to watch a great game between two real big heavyweights in the USL. For sure, without a... I think those are those are similar to my thoughts, right? I think you, uh, I think you hit it. You know, if there's a if there's a goal or two scored in the first half, especially, I think this is gonna very easily turn into a four three game with with teams coming out in the second half and and having to open it up to mm-hmm. score. I don't think. I really, yeah, and I really don't think that like Bob or or Hackworth is really gonna want to go to a, is really gonna want to go to to overtime and a shootout again. <laughs> you know, I don't right. think it's gonna be quite as cagey as last, you know, quite as cagey as last year's game. I think one team is gonna want to come out and want to win the game mm-hmm. and um, kind of get it over with, and I think that that will then open up opportunities for the other team. Yeah. Um, so I I feel. I feel really good about this game. Mm-hmm. I think our players have had kind of two weeks now of, of, of wake up time, three weeks really even of wake up time of just like, wait, what is, you know, <laughs> what has happened, you know? And I think that they, um, you know, I think the guys went in on Saturday kind of knowing what needed to happen. They needed to get a win. They didn't need a big win. They didn't need to, you know, they didn't need to do anything. Philly had nothing to lose. Um, so I think that that was kind of, Kind of what happened there, I'm not sure that it was like as... I'm not sure the guys were as hyped for that game as, as they could have been. Um, so I do think that they'll come out a little bit more uh, motivated and all that kind of stuff than they have been. I, I want to say one thing about that game uh, last weekend. Um, I, I think as a fan base, as a podcast crew, we severely have not... like We severely underestimated how well Philly played that game. 
I mean, I haven't watched all of the Philly games, but I've watched a few others that they haven't played against us. And that's by far the best they've looked all season, I think, right? Like, they came out, they came out with a plan, they were well-organized, they played their game and forced us to have to do some different things. Um, we still found a way to win. Yeah. So I want to say, too, about the game, just as a Philly fan, uh, they had five players on that field who are either signed to the first mm-hmm. team or will be on January 1st. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have three players in um, Paxton Aronson, um, Nathan Harriel, and the other midfielder, who I'm blanking on who it is, um, they are signed to pre-contracts, which will go into effect on um, January 1st. And then they also had Cole Turner and Jack DeVries, Jack, Jack DeVries on the field who are currently signed with the first team. So um, a lot of players on the field who the Philly organization thinks very highly of, um, who they have signed and said, like, we want you come your 17th, you know, like, come your birthday, you know, like, whatever. So I think it's, like, really important to think about that, too, that Philly did play a really good game, and they had a lot of players who are really high in their organization, which... Mm-hmm they haven't had all those guys on the same field in a long time, you know? And I think that was, you know, based on where COVID is and all this kind of stuff, those two teams are kind of allowed to have some of the first team players. And that's sort of what happened. So yeah, I mean, Philly played a really good game and, you know, we found a way to win. Um, So I'm not, I'm not putting that game really in the context of the Hartford game and the Loudon game. Um, But I do think that the guys need to come out a little hype more hype this week yeah. um and i think they will it's louisville yep. it's not this isn't another game against loud another game against philly another game against new york red bull it's not another game against a two team that is not playing well um this is the playoffs so i think they will i trust bob i trust them to come out good um sounds like from bob's press conference that jordan dover will not be on the field on saturday um which is a loss i think um but i think we'll be able to cover that cover that loss so well, Justin, we've been going for a little while. I say we, we get have. out of here. We have. We should get going. All right. Hey, it's good to talk to you, my friend. Yeah, it's good to talk to you, too. So we're sponsored by Roughneck Scarves, official scarves player at MLS, USL, US Soccer. Um, you can get custom scarves from them. We're also sponsored by Icarus FC, who does a great job, did our jerseys uh, for us. So we love them as well, and they'll do unique stuff for you as well if you're looking for some custom jerseys and Whatnot. We are also part of the Beautiful Game Network, um, BGN.FM. There's a ton of content that's being produced right now uh, as far as the playoffs and all that kind of stuff. So go check that out as well. Um, If you want to get a hold of us at Mongols on pretty much every social media, I think it's at Mongols Pod on Instagram if you're concerned about that. But um, go follow us or let us know what you want to hear. Let us know what we're doing well and what we're not. Um, weigh in on some of these debates that we're having uh, between us and the uh, the Monday show, um, and that's that's pretty much it. So we will uh, talk to you. We will hopefully talk to you next week uh, with another preview show about round two of the playoffs. But we'll we'll see. I'm not going to say that we will talk to you, but we definitely will hope to talk to you. Well, Justin, what I know is I will talk to you again about soccer at some point. <laughs> yes, that's that's a true statement. <laughs> see ya. All right, see ya.